Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. I can't decide what we're going to talk about before the people are in the room. How could I do that? You see, that violates my relationship to truth. Truth is, what do the people need right now, right now, right now? Only took me until I was in my early 40s to figure out. That's pretty good, (laughs) I think. And, you know, it was there all along. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Today, we're going to finish up on this series about the one thing by examining some tools that can be used to identify it, or at least get you closer, like writing your own eulogy or reverse engineering your one thing from one of your greatest achievements. If you're interested to go deeper and commit to finding your one thing, which is a key step toward living with fulfillment and reorienting your relationship with change, and you can find the assignment and suggested reading for this class as part of the free preview for Learning for Change, Learning for Change was a course that I did not long ago. It's available at courses.clearandopen.com. You know, last week I improvised, um, extemporaneousized. See, I just made up that word. I'm going to keep this because I'm bored of the old uh, pitch that I've been doing. So just for fun, I'm going to make something up. So I want to talk about Learning for Change. That Learning for Change course that I did was really born out of um, part frustration, but also kind of a plea, because I'm really interested in making change happen fast. That's one of the principles that Clear and Open is based on. You know, I started coaching coming up on 19 years ago, maybe 20. I think it's been 19 years now, uh, this winter. And everything that I've learned in the last 15 years has come out of a kind of pleaful, sincere frustration of why can't change happen faster? Um, That's one of my um, gifts and curses is that I'm impatient and I'm also very naive. And I see something like personal change and how difficult it is for people. And I have this crazy notion that I can make it happen faster. That's what's driven me in all of my own learning and teaching for almost 20 years. And while I help people change relatively quickly, a lot faster than I used to, I'm still not satisfied. And I'm always looking for better ways to do that. And the course Learning for Change was a sort of collection of philosophies, principles, techniques, methodologies for how to relate to any learning Because what I see in whether someone's learning a new musical instrument or uh, pursuing enlightenment or, you know, wanting to be a better business person, whatever it is, what I see is the issue is almost always not in what they're learning because almost everything can help. Certainly some things can help better than others. But what I see is the way people approach it doesn't work and will take even the greatest wisdom, the greatest tools, tried and true principles and tools and all that, they'll make them not work or at least not work very well. And to me, that's just an enormous tragedy that I would really love to prevent. So I urge you to consider whether 
well, whatever you're learning. I mean, if you're alive and sucking oxygen, you're probably learning something. So I urge you to check out Learning for Change. And, you know, as said in this series, the whole basis of Learning for Change is what matters most to you. That's the self-interest that is supposed to underlie uh, or ideally underlies all change, all orientations. So that's my unscripted uh, pitch for Learning for Change. If you want to know more about it, you can find that course at courses.clearandopen.com. Thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the show. Why I'll ask is another great question. Is the one thing the same as one's why? It feels different. Yeah, I know what you mean. I don't think it's a really important distinction right now, but it is a really good distinction. Um, I'd say the the one thing is it's a place you come from. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. It's, it depends how we define it. Your why and your one thing is going are going to be related for sure. I'd say the why is why the one thing matters to you. You know why it's important. But uh, you can go in that door, you know, what, why are you here? That's another question that will get you there. You can also write a eulogy. That's another really great tool for getting at this. I'd have to think about that question while that, that's, that's too sophisticated for me to do on my feet. Thanks for asking. Now it's like, to use the matrix line, it's like a splinter in my mind. My mind's like, no, no, we got to work with that. But I only have 15 minutes and we've got other things to talk about. So I wanted to say a little bit more. Um, any other questions, by the way, before? You guys can always interrupt me. That's the rule. Uh, Joseph. Please, Rebecca. You're saying that, um, well, earlier you got a little bit clumped <laughs> when you're talking about perfection. <laughs> so that's... It's more about dedication than perfection, but yeah. Okay. Um, that's one clue that can come up. That's what? Your emotions coming up like that could be a clue. That's another clue. Yes. Thank you for highlighting that. Yeah. You're going to have a feeling about it. It's not a head thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an emotional thing. Because we're talking about, in one way, it's, it's the essence of who you are. So when you touch upon it, you're touching upon something really deep in yourself. That's why it's so powerful. It's also really vulnerable. I like the question um, in the bus ticket uh, article. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. It talked about if you could take a year off work to do something that you wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be important, but it would be, it would be super interesting. What would it be? Yeah. My mind went way crazy on that one. Yeah, that's a great question. There are lots of questions. Another variation that I'll use sometimes is, what would you do if you didn't have to work and you can't say travel? You have to say, can't say travel. Because travel is like going from sorbet to sorbet. It's sorbet for me because I'm allergic to dairy, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Joseph Trivia, just allergic to dairy. Um, So yeah, what would you do if you didn't have to work? And it's not like, because, you know, we all think that sitting on the couch and doing nothing would be really great. And you'd probably have a great time doing that for like, I don't know, two or three months you know, while you decompress from all the hard work that you do. But like, what's the, 
cup runneth over Eunice. What do you want to bring to the world? What is that? What is that? Let's see if there's anything else I want to make sure I got to. I had to make notes today because I was afraid, so afraid I was going to be uh, completely empty of thought. Another place to look is what your greatest achievements are and what drove you to accomplish them. And that's something that we'll talk more about because you can reverse engineer quite a lot from looking at what your greatest achievements are. And ask, how did I do that? And then compare like, what's the thing you're struggling with achieving versus what was something that you just single-mindedly dedicated yourself to? That's what we're really wanting to get to here. Because, of course, it depends on what you want. I tend to project this. But if you have any unfulfilled desires, needs, wants, then what will get you there is inevitably going to be excellence. And what will get you to excellence is your one thing. That's the thing. That's what gets you to excellence. It has to matter. I'm a very intermediate guitar player. And whenever I meet someone who's really good, I'll ask the question, as we often do, how did you get to be so good? They almost always say the same thing. I just was obsessed. That actually use that word almost every time. I was just obsessed for five years, for 10 years. I played five, six, eight hours a day. And then every time I'm like, oh, of course, duh. That's how I got all the achievements that I have. I've never done that with guitar. I got pretty good practicing about two hours a day for two years. But you know, when I was training Aikido, that was every day. Trained at two hours a day for 28, 29, 30 days a month for years. Is the one thing a vehicle or a destination? YL asks. Yes. That's right. It commands you, yet it obeys you. It's it's not it's it's already yeah. I love it. It's a vehicle and a destination. That's and that's a good way of um, of honing in on what it is. Because if it's only a destination, then that can't be it. But if it's only what's true now, and you don't feel it pulling you towards something, then that's not it either. It's both. It's past, present, and future. It's where you, it's always been in you, maybe latent, but it's always been there. Maybe unmanifest, but always been there. Maybe wrapped in words like a ninja, but always there. I really wanted to be a ninja. I had a bunch of homemade weapons in my closet, which I, my mother must have found it eventually after I graduated college, but she never said anything about it. There's a place you come from that was always there. It's something that's accessible to you right now that can, when you access it, can help shift from, oh, I don't want to be doing this, this sucks, to being alive and engaged and asking yourself, okay, how can I bring whatever it is, my, for me, my love of truth to this moment? And it's a destination. How can I embody for me 
again, I'm using myself as an example, for me, how can I embody truth more in this moment, in the next moment? What's the truest expression of Joseph's life in, on January 10th? I mean, by the time January 10th happens, it'll be right now. So strictly speaking, there is no future. Yet there's planning that we do. That's that thread thing. That's what you're looking to find. You know, another a meditation you can do that is also potentially useful is to do a kind of um, contemplation meditation about you, about the history of you. Start from your earliest memory and go forward in time and just try to remember year after year after year, you know, sort of do a slideshow of your life. And of course, you were a very different person when you were five, six, even probably 18 than who you are now. But you're the same person in another way, right? Isn't that wild? It's like the flame of a candle. It's different every moment, and yet somehow it stays the same. What thread in you has been the same all along? Because it has. It's been there. It's always been there. If this takes you until you know, the end of your life to discover, then it would have been a life well spent. Right? Like finding in The Last Samurai the perfect plum blossom, cherry blossom. Because the contemplation of what it is will put you on the path similarly to what the one thing will put you on because it is a deep focus. Because it, it may not be at your very essence, but at least you're looking in that direction. You know, and you have a curiosity about it. As long as you're curious and dedicated to finding what your one thing is, you're not going to be overindulging in Lilikoi Sorbet, which has now become our running joke for the course. <laughs> I'll probably forget it by next week. Don't worry. So I want to um, bring this back to the uh, why this is so important, how it relates to coachability. When you know what your one thing is, so uh, yeah, the, the reason I've been a, such a rabid uh, learner, my parents used to say about me uh, behind my back that I was in a constant state of experimentation. And, uh, and I still am. And I never, it took me really until quite recently to see how strange that is because I was just projecting that onto other people. Thought everybody was in a constant state of experimentation. When you know your one thing, the world is, it's like a canvas for the, you know, painted brush of that one thing for you. It must constantly express. And all of the information that comes at you is fuel for that one thing. So when you have a teacher or a guide or a homeless person on the street who says something to you, anything, anybody, you you absorb it as 
fuel for that one thing. Because at the very essence of that one thing, the essence of the essence, it's connected to everyone else's one thing. Because at the very bottom of it, there's only one, one thing. Sort of like uh, one of those mirror balls, you know, then the discos. There's a little mirror fragment, a little tiny, like one centimeter by one centimeter mirror. There's a bunch of them. They're all on it. There's one ball, but lots of individual things on it. So they're all reflecting something slightly different, but all reflecting more or less the same thing. All the one things go back to the same source. When you know your one thing, your hunger for learning, for growth, for evolution is unstoppable. And you see everybody and everything as an ally to that. When you're not in touch with your one thing, everything is an adversary to your comfort. The man, the man, right? Your ninth grade algebra teacher, they're all out to get you. There's this great uh, Meister Eckhart quote, the 13th century Christian mystic. Sometimes when it looks, when it feels like devils are tearing you apart, it's really angels that are trying to set you free. It was used in the movie Jacob's Ladder. Anybody remembers that? So the one thing is so important because if you don't have the one thing, you'll get trapped in existential victimhood and you'll see authority figures, bosses, the tax man, whatever, as out to get you. Because you're not coming from like a positive pressure place. You know, I, uh, I had a high-end HVAC client once who told me uh, a really good HVAC system you can set in a house so that it has a positive pressure so that when you open the window, air can't come in. So dirt can't come in. And so there'll be an intake to bring in fresh air from the outside that goes through a really good filter. And then it's positively pressurized so that no dirt can come in the house. That's pretty cool. So the one thing is like this positive pressure where nothing can bring you down because you know so deeply who you are and what you're about that it's all for you. It's all for you, right? Even if you have the worst boss in the world and for some reason you got to stay in that job, you learn from that boss every day because you're so powerful. You can wring out that dirty rag and extract clear water that you can drink from it. Like a really good water filter, you know, the kind you can siphon uh, uh, water out of a puddle in Calcutta and still not get sick from. That's what the one thing gives you because it's indestructible. Why? Because it's not you. It's only something you sort of participate with. It's like a battery you get to borrow for a while. So have I succeeded in getting you curious about what your one thing is? That was my goal today. (laughs) Good. And I was afraid I was only going to have five minutes of material to talk about. So that is your assignment. What is your one thing? If you don't know it, 
keep working on it, keep working on it, keep working on it. If next time you want to talk about what you think your one thing is and share that with us or where you're getting stuck, um, we can absolutely do that. Uh, this was session one. I have no idea what we're doing in the other sessions. I, I mean, I have some ideas. That's not true. I don't have any rigid plan at all. And that's how I do always do these courses so that you guys come f- first. And I want you guys to shape what happens here. That's the best way to make it for you. That's to me an expression of truth. What's true is you're here. So the truest expression of teaching this course is to make it for you as best I possibly can because it's for you. So how could I have a syllabus? Just give you an example of how me living truth expresses. And it took me years to refuse to make PowerPoints. I would do presentations. Oh, we need a PowerPoint. I can't do it anymore. I can't decide what we're going to talk about before the people are in the room. How could I do that? You see, that violates my relationship to truth. Truth is, what do the people need right now, right now, right now? Only took me till I was in my early 40s to figure out. That's pretty good, (laughs) I think. And, you know, it was there all along. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.